Are you here? I am. He is. Many of us are. E pluribus unum. This is the Paul Leslie Hour. Our guest on this episode was born in Washington, D.C. and grew up in America's golden age. Kennedy. Robert F. Kennedy, Jr. He wants to reclaim democracy, and he's running for president of the United States. When you start a movement, you've got to move, like from sea to shining sea. Yes. And it so happens Mr. Kennedy and his wife Cheryl Hines were in Florence, South Carolina, It was there that Robert F. Kennedy, Jr. spoke with your host, Paul Leslie. Before we begin, if you would please, subscribe to Paul Leslie's YouTube channel. We thank you in advance. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to start this program. R. F. K. Junior. Well, Mr. Kennedy, it's a great pleasure. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Uh, I want to tell everybody out here, I read this book last year. This is a gift from my father. And I said to myself, there's one person I want to talk to this year, and that would be Robert Kennedy. And it's a pleasure to have this chance. Mr. Kennedy, what have you given up to run for president, and why is it worth it to you? That's an interesting question. I, um, you know, the, uh, I mean, I'm enjoying the process of running, but it is a, it's definitely a tough process. It means being away from home a lot. Um, it means being away from my family and, and, you know, um, the, uh, many of the issues that I feel strongly about are issues that other members of my family also feel strongly about and and don't share my beliefs. Um, and our family's always been a very, very close family, and you know, these issues have separated us in some ways, so that's, that's always uh, difficult, but um, you know, I think, I feel privileged to be able to make this run uh, I feel unhappy about the amount of uh, attention that it's getting, and that I'm able to speak to large groups of people and getting enthusiastic around. So uh, I just I feel grateful. I know a lot of people out there they watch that very riveting interview you did with Tucker Carlson. It seems that as non-mainstream or alternative sources of media are becoming more and more popular for seeing more of government and also big corporations kind of getting involved and suppressing speech, if I may say. What do you think is the biggest threat to our free speech today as Americans say? Well, I think there's always a narrative that the mainstream media follows and that um, part of that merit narrative has been driven by the corporate uh, contributions to advertising, which gives the corporation not only a platform for pushing their product, 
but also control over content of the evening news. And so that's kind of a form of censorship, but the, the worst kinds of censorship are censorship that is driven by the government. And in the case is uh, that we've seen recently that were revealed by Judge Noe's decision, what is a 155-page federal court decision, shows that the White House, in both the Trump and Biden administration, were um, deploying intelligence agencies from the FBI, the CIA, and uh, and others, the IRS, the Census Bureau, for some reason, um, to silence criticism of White House policies. That, to me, is very dangerous because a government that is able to silence its opponents or its critics has license for any kind of atrocity. And, um, you know, we saw a, a full-blown attack on our constitutional debates uh, during lockdowns. We saw churches closed. We saw jury trials abolished for people who wanted to, you know, were injured by, uh, by pharmaceutical companies. Uh, and we saw track and trace surveillance that overwhelmed our Fifth Amendment rights or prohibitions against uh, warrantless searches and seizures. We saw property rights essentially abolished as 3.3 million businesses closed without due process or just compensation. Um, and all that really occurred because uh, the first and right of free expression was first put under control by the government. I mean, we had the revolution largely in this country uh, because of the outrage of King George III being able to um, to control and to bully the press to censor uh, criticism. You know, we we can't as a nation. If we're going to keep democracy, we can't afford to do that. I attended your event in Charleston, and one of the things that struck me is there was every type of person there, from people with dreadlocks to veterans camps, and some people that were Trump supporters. Why do you think it is that people who like Trump, some of them have come over and started listening to you, and they like you? I think we both have a populist message, I think. Um, the Democratic Party has become more and more a party uh, that represents Wall Street, um, that represents the war machine, um, that represents a very, very belligerent foreign policy. Uh, and the demographics of the Democratic Party are changing as well. That uh, uh, Nine of the ten wealthiest countries, uh, counties in America are now Democrat. And, um, you know, when I grew up, the party that I grew up with, it was a working class party. And I think more and more the working class people in this country feel that they don't have a home. So they're willing to, um, you know, they're anxious to find some leadership that is representing their issues. You answered my next question. <laughs> Has the Democratic Party lost its way? Yeah, I think it's lost its way, as I say. The Democratic Party I grew up with was the Peace Party. It's now the War Party. Um, it, uh, it was the party of working people. It's now the party of Wall Street. Um, I think the party is redeemable. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that I'm running, to try to summon the party back to its initial values. And uh, the constituencies, uh, it has always served, which are... Uh, 
which are Americans or, you know, working class, middle class, poor Americans um, against the domination of corporate power, of corporate power, and right now we're seeing this emergence of um, corrupt corporate power that has merged with the state, you know, with the, with the agencies that are supposed to be regulating those corporations. And, uh, that's an issue that I've been fighting against for 40 years, um, suing large corporations who have these alliances with the, with the regulatory agencies. Uh, and I feel that that puts me in a good position to unravel that. How do you call that corporate capture as President of the United States? Mr. Kendi, my last question, this comes from the actor and singer Robert Dobby. His question, what is America to you? Well, you know, I've always had a sentimental view of this country as the world's exemplary democracy. And to me, that does not mean pushing democracy at the barrel of a gun, but rather modeling the, the best virtues of democracy for the rest of the world. Um, you know, I still feel like about our country. Thank you so much. And thank you very much for having me. We thank you and appreciate you dropping in for the Paul Leslie Hour today. You know, you can help the Paul Leslie Hour in our mission to provide independent media content like this by visiting www.thepaulleslie.com support. We truly thank you. Performance of the Entertainer intro song and Corina Corina outro song, courtesy of John Premerano. Videography by Robert McCready. Video editing by David Knapp. Well, that's it for today. So until next time, be safe and be good. This is your announcer speaking.